0: You're listening to the Greatest Multifamily Investment Advice Show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital deals and underwriting process. Welcome back to the Greatest Multifamily Advice Show. Today we have our great guest, Dave Foster, real estate investor, syndicator, a public speaker, and 1031 expert. Please uh, help me to welcome our guest. How are you, Dave?
1: I'm doing awesome, Adam. It is so good to be
0: here with you today. Thanks a lot. I would like to start with you as a a multifamily
1: investor. What was the beginning for you? Well, you know, we kind of um, like with anybody, there's an ebb and a flow, Hmm. both to your life as well as to your investing strategies. The same kinds of energies that you have when you're 20 you don't have when you're 60, the same kinds of opportunities you have when you're 20 are different when you're older. So I think the really successful investors that I've copied myself after over the years have changed their investing and morphed it as they've grown so that they're always taking advantage of what works. So my very first property I ever bought was a duplex, a small multifamily. Hmm. And I bought it in Denver, Colorado. Hmm. And then I sold it and thought I made a whole bunch of money until I went to the accountant and he informed me that I had a silent partner named Uncle Sam. Yeah. I guess. And Uncle Sam made as much or more on that than I did. 100%. So yeah, that was my first foray into it. Yeah. And that was how I discovered 1031 exchanges. And we'll talk about those a little bit more in a minute. And uh, the power that they had. But then throughout my investing career, I've simply taken what opportunities are there. Hmm. So I've moved into small multifamilies and then larger multifamilies and commercial. And now, as we're starting to reach the second half of life. <laughs> um, yes. I would say the final third, but we'll see. Um, the second half. is The best one. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> What I've discovered is that when I was young, I had energy and no money. Now I have money and less energy. So for me, I have started to move into the exact position with folks like you, where I am now going more passively into real estate syndications and multifamilies are such a great opportunity because those are always in need and there's always available, Great. So I've gone from active to passive, and that's kind of the that's kind of the path dictated by where my life has taken me.
0: Hundred percent. So you mentioned both active and passive, and I would like to jump to both to be honest, because both of them you're doing it professionally. But about your current niche and your market right now, what is the focus now in the states? Which states, like
1: Tennessee, Miami, Denver? Like, great question. Um. Yeah, because you know what? I see these all day long and it's kind of amazing because we're doing 1031 exchanges for people nationwide. And right now, I would say, hands down, the absolute hottest area in America is the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, prices have risen there how many hundreds of percent in the last couple of years, which is exactly what happened in California and Arizona. And Washington two to three years ago. Yeah. So there there becomes this um, ripple effect, right? Someone hears about something and then everybody jumps in. Prices escalate incredibly. Yeah. And then everybody's going, wait a minute, I can't buy here anymore. So what's next? And, you know, again, that just, this is where I found the 1031 is so valuable to me. Because when a market peaks, like when California peaked about four to five years ago, we were able to exit our assets in the West Hmm. and position them in South Florida, Hmm. where things had not escalated so high. Hmm. And we did that without paying tax on the profit. So right now, I'm pretty much concentrated in Ohio, Kansas of all places, Hmm. and Florida. And that's where our real estate investing is right now. Not Tennessee anymore. I very anymore? much like to let you look wherever. What's that? Not
0: Tennessee anymore. No Nashville. No Memphis. No, no, no. Those are those are too. They're too expensive.
1: Yeah. Can't <laughs> afford them anymore.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's go to the main subject here: ten thirty-one and the relation to multifamily and how you can do it smartly. Tips. Use the experts here. So to yeah. leave it for you.
1: Well, let's let's start with what the 1031 exchange is Hundred percent, because maybe a lot of people don't even understand that. Yeah. The 1031 exchange allows you to sell investment real estate and then go buy new investment real estate and you get to indefinitely defer paying tax on the profit. So I sell a piece of property that I make a hundred thousand dollars on. That might be a total of say $20,000 in tax. Yeah. It if I do the ten thirty one exchange, I'm able to keep that twenty thousand dollars, and use it for my own investing. Yeah. Well, what does twenty thousand dollars buy you? You could buy a hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah. And what can you make off that hundred thousand dollar house? Ten percent. So basically, by keeping the tax, you can make ten to twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah, indefinitely for your benefit. It doesn't take too many deals like that before all of a sudden you're feeling pretty good, does it? Mm -hmm. And that's what the 1031 exchange allows you to do. Mm -hmm. So over the course of 20 years, I've never paid a penny in capital gains tax. But it is deferred. Correct. But would you remind me, and at the end of this, we want to talk about the four Ds of 1031 investing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay,
1: let's remember that, four D. Yeah, 100%. Because that'd be good. So back to the syndication side of it. Yeah. Here's the issue. It's a sale of investment real estate followed by a purchase of investment real estate. Yeah. So I could sell a condo in Ohio. I could buy a single family rental in, in uh, Michigan. I could sell a commercial property in New York. Huh. I could buy a duplex in Arizona. Anywhere in the United States, any type of property, but it has to be real estate. Yes. So you see how powerful that is. Yeah. Here's the issue with syndications. The way most syndications are structured there is a general partner, yeah, and there are limited partners and it is set up as a partnership. Yes. And what I buy as a passive investor is a membership interest in the partnership. Hmm. I'm not actually buying real estate. So it doesn't work for the 1031 Hmm. because I may have sold a rental, but I'm not buying real estate. So that's why syndications are problematic. But there's a couple ways to solve them. The first one is that there are certain syndications out there now, not very many, because it's a little complicated, where instead of selling you a membership interest in the partnership, Hmm. they will sell you a percentage of the real estate itself. Mm. So it might be a 60 unit apartment building. Mm. That's $10 million. And you might have a million dollars to spend. They will sell you 10% of the building itself. Mm. Okay. Now you're selling real estate and buying real estate. So that works with Mm. the 1031. And the syndicator simply has to work out how the debt is handled how it's going to be managed, making sure that you, you know, I still want to stay passive, hmm. even though I actually own the real estate. So that's way number one. Um, way number two is a lot more fun because it lets you really ramp up both sides of your investing. And it's what we've done where you continue to 1031 exchange as a regular investor. okay, uh, Buying and selling real estate, just like you normally would. But as soon as so, maybe I've got a property in Utah that I've got some profit in, and it's got a roof that's really old. Okay. Well, I probably don't want to wait until that roof goes, and I've got to put $40,000 into a roof.
0: Okay. So I'm going to sell
1: it, and I'm going to 1031 exchange into a newer property with less capital expense exposure. And I completely defer the tax. So I've got my 1031 tax deferral rolling. Hmm. And then as soon as I complete the purchase, I then do a cash out refinance. And when I refinance a piece of property, that does not create a taxable event. Hmm. And I can use those proceeds for anything I want. So what should I do, Adam?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go buy a syndication, right? Yeah. This is basically, I have a question about syndication. When you're in syndication, you're not uh, in a contract with the uh, LP with, for another deal. So I think it's going to make more sense to do 1031 in a fund structure. But on the syndication, once you sell the property, you have to get back to the LP to give them the shares. So how is it going to work on syndication? Unless you're keeping the same investor with you on the next deal. Because you're buying property now, you're selling it and you're using 1031 for another property. but he's not going to stay
1: with you. because right. that the so that's our exit that's the exit strategy we're talking about, right? Yeah yeah how do we do what do we do at the end? So let's review the two ways to get in as tenants in common where I actually own a piece of the real estate hmm. with the syndicator. Hmm. Now my exit strategy with that is when that is sold, I'm actually selling a piece of real estate also, aren't I? Yeah, you do. The syndicator is selling 90% of it. I'm selling 10% of it. So I can do a 1031 exchange, can't I? For my share.
0: Oh, okay. okay, okay.
1: Right? So that's way number one. Now, if it's all just a syndication, this is what we're starting to see with some of our syndicators right now is they're choosing to do a 1031 exchange, hmm. any tax paying entity can do a 1031 exchange. Hmm. So the LP sells, or I'm sorry, not the LP, the, GP. the partnership syndication yeah. sells and does a 1031 exchange. Hmm. Now, everybody who's a member of that syndication goes forward with them hmm. okay. into the new property. And particularly for those syndicators that like value adds, Mm. they'll sell their juiced up property mm. and use the proceeds to go buy two value-add properties. Oh, okay. All within the syndication. Yeah. So if I'm a member of that, if I'm a limited partner in that syndication, I'm just going forward into the new properties. Mm-hmm. And look at what that does. I don't have to pay tax on my distributions. I get into two new properties already with a syndicator that I know and trust mm-hmm. and like. Mm-hmm. And for you as the syndicator, you didn't have to raise nearly as much money. 100 percent because everybody who was invested before is moving forward with you. 100 percent, 100 percent. Yeah, so I like both of those exit strategies. The second one in particular mm-hmm. works really well where, I do the 1031, and then I do a cash-out refinance yeah, and use the cash from the refinance to invest in the syndication. Okay. So what happens is I've got a 1031 portfolio over here, and I've got my syndication portfolio hmm. over here. And I don't ever have to worry about them causing each other problems.
0: So whenever you have a refinance, you're not giving back to money to the investors to give them this ability to not pay taxes. Oh,
1: speaking as the syndicator. Yeah. I was talking about as the investor. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That I'll sell a property. I'll sell a single family rental. Okay. And I'll go buy a commercial property or whatever. And then I'll refinance that. Hmm. And then I'll take the cash. Put it in. And I'll go invest with you.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. And I'm able to do that without paying tax. So you have two profiles. One for syndication and one is mine. One for single family. And one for passive investing. Passive investing That's exactly is exactly
1: correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Exactly correct.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, what is, was the taps for you, uh, and 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 like the tracks for you on ten thirty one? You learned uh, all over the years.
1: Well, yeah, I learned that there's a poison pill, <laughs> just like Elon Musk found out the hard way with Twitter, right? Yeah. There's a poison pill with ten thirty one investing, which is the best time. To sell a piece of property and do a ten thirty one exchange is the worst time to try and find your replacement property because mm-hmm. it's a seller's market. You're going to sell at the top of the market, which is well, awesome, yeah. But you're going to have to buy another one at the top of the market. Yeah, the reverse is also true. The absolute best time to find properties to buy is as silly as a buyer's market when things are down. Which is now. <laughs> well, maybe it's on the cusp, right? <laughs> we're, almost we're in a there. transition early. Yeah. We? yeah, we're almost there. I will see. But that's also the worst time to sell a property oh, yeah. and start a 1031 exchange. So the biggest tip that I've ever given people is to make sure that the market is speaking to you and that you understand that if you want to get top dollar, you're probably not going to replace that with a property that you get a bargain basement price on. Yeah. So look at the why you want to sell. Is it because you want to change sectors and go from long-term rentals to short-term rentals hmm. or industrial to commercial? Hmm. Then that's when you can do the 1031. Is it because you want to go from one door to like multiple doors hmm. to get more dollars in rent per door hmm. or per square foot? Hmm. Then that's a good reason to do the 1031. Is it because you want to avoid capital expense exposure? That's a good reason to do a 1031 exchange. Hmm. Don't just sell and start at 1031 because your property is worth a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. Because you're going to have to buy something that's going to be pretty expensive as well. Unless you're changing the market. Correct. Which right now is actually kind of a nice time to be selling. Yeah. Because yeah. you can sell in the next 30 days. Most people are already under contract. And then we'll add, of course, it depends when you decide to air this as mm-hmm. well. Right. Yeah. But people are going to have, you know, a couple months to look at what the market is doing. And we actually could see some price retreats because of interest. Yeah, 100%, 100%. absolutely, hundred percent. So it's kind of a nice time to be selling.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is the actual time frame of using ten thirty one between selling and buying? Is this the actual something like an yeah.
1: actual time frame? Oh, very very strict. Hmm. From the day that you close the sale of your old property, you have forty five days only. Hmm to identify your potential replacement property. You have an additional 135 days after that to close on it. Oh, okay. So 180 days total, 45 only to identify. And that's honestly the toughest time frame right there. Hmm. Because once day 45 passes, you can't change your list anymore. You're stuck with what's on it.
0: So the 45 days start from the closing of your sold one and right. then you have forty-five days to sign purchase sale agreement.
1: Actually, you technically don't even have to sign a sales agreement. It's just an identification. How? But literally, yeah, I did. That's it. Yeah. But if you are not under contract, and day forty-five passes, hmm. and you lose that property, then your exchange done. is dead. Oh yeah. So I tell people use the forty-five days. Not just to identify, use it to get under contract. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you can go into contract at any time you want, even before your old property closes. Okay. Okay. So but what, with, what if
0: you didn't close?
1: Done. If your sale doesn't close?
0: Like you got the deal under contract, but for any reason, for due diligence, you found that's okay. Um, I'm not going to be able to close. Uh, environmental or any any sure. like this
1: on your per- the the replacement property. Yes. So if you're still within your 45 days, just go oh, identify okay. more property. Okay. If you're past day 45, done. You're out of luck.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think okay, this is another thing. Let's uh, talk about the syndicator side. This is going to be one of the his selling point to the investors, saying that guys, you're not going to pay. Capital gain. Okay. But from the beginning, you have to have the correct structure with the accountant and the security lawyer. Correct? That's exactly
1: correct. Whether they're going to do it as tenants in common mm. or whether he's going to, the syndicator is going to try to do a 1031 with the entire syndication. Okay. Okay. If they can tell individual investors, this is our model and this is what we what we're going to do. Yeah, that's a great incentive. I will always invest with a syndicator that's going to 1031 because mm-hmm. okay. I get to avoid capital gains. 100%. My next question, By the way
0: we are, we are here, always focus also on the Canadian side who's investing in U.S. So is this any complication for Canadians when they are investing with cross-border U.S. investors or syndicators in Canada to do
1: this? Or does it apply? That's, that's getting it all on. As far as syndications go, I'm not aware of any limitations on the US side. Okay. Yeah. However, Canadian law is a different animal. But I do know that there is no 1031 equivalent
0: no, in there's Canada. Not. No,
1: there's nothing. And in if a Canadian citizen owns US property, there is a way for them to do a 1031 exchange. Hmm. On the U.S. property, but hmm. there are some Canadian laws hmm. that can still ding them for taxes. Back to so, uh, CRA. exactly. So, really, you you need to have both sides of the border covered with your accountants. Yeah, yeah. Because it can get complicated.
0: I think it's not only accountant; it's accountant and the lawyer too, especially on the syndication side. Yes yeah cuz you're having to deal with sec compliance 100%. so i, I wanna speak more about uh, 1031 uh, when you have time uh, on another episode but going back to your portfolio you mentioned that you're uh, focusing on on um, on florida right now so what was the actual um, implication of the inflation and the this is number 5 i think that you raised the, the 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 rates for the uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, three-quarters of a percent. Well, what's interesting is there's a lot more panic Hmm. or potential panic than there should be. Because Hmm. when they raise the basis like that, it doesn't correlate to an immediate increase. Hmm. As a matter of fact, the increase was already factored in several weeks ago. Markets always respond in advance. And lenders also do the same. So a lot of the impact of this massive raise yesterday or the announcement yesterday has already been factored into the market. Um, Is it going to have an impact? Absolutely. It is. Now I'm not seeing it so much in Florida yet. And in part that's because there are so many properties that are being purchased with cash. Hmm. There's a lot of cash that's still out in the market. So lending is not necessarily impacting that so much. Now in my markets in the Midwest, yeah, I've seen an immediate slowdown in the last three weeks. Hmm. I've seen a 10% reduction in sales prices in the last three weeks because everybody's scared of that and because there's less cash.
0: But there's many the people properties. having money now. There's a lot of people having, buying a good prices
1: now with cash. Right. And that's actually the definition Hmm. of inflation. There's (laughs) too much money out there. So that's part of what they're attempting to do is to reduce the amount of money that's in circulation. Hmm. And the best way to do that by real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to buy real estate with cash, but they're not going to refinance because rates are too high. So I don't think we're going to see a massive slowdown in markets for a while, Hmm. Um, till we start to sort through some of this cash issue.
0: Great. Uh, But you mentioned something interesting on the beginning uh, about you're moving to the passive investing. What are you looking now when you're doing it uh, as a passive now? Are you slowing down? Are you actively
1: passive now or still on transition? I'm a real estate junkie. (laughs) So I think I always have to be doing something, right? Uh, Yeah, I I can't help but tear down walls and put new kitchens and do all kinds of stuff like that. We have a a family fund and Mm. the members of our family we're now sending out to take control of our portfolio in certain areas. Mm. So I'm becoming more and more the guy who sits in the background and whispers in their ear Mm. while they're the ones actually doing it. I am creating, because I'm nearing retirement age, I am creating in my life a three-pronged investing career. I will still do active investing uh, just because I love it. Hmm. And I love the tax benefits and I love the internal rate of return Hmm. that comes from cash flow, depreciation, amortization of loans and appreciation. I also, though, am investing passively in syndications where I don't get any adrenaline satisfying. <laughs> I just throw the money out there and let them do their thing. Yeah. But I still get real estate benefits. Yeah, I still get the IRR that comes with that. So I've got those two. And then in my tax preferred accounts, 401ks, IRAs, which are tax deferred anyways, hmm. that's where we're doing equities and lending and that kind of thing. Perfect, perfect. Because we don't get real estate benefits. Yeah. So yeah. I don't care. But as long as I can do 1031s, I want to continue actively investing because I can get the exact same thing and defer the tax. 100%. I think our next
0: episode with you have to be more about syndication. I'm going to have a whole episode about this when you have time. Uh, but uh, my last question will be, how the people can follow your success? How can people what I'm sorry how the people can follow your success. You're really successful in doing this. and <laughs> like I like Hopefully
1: you're they're doing. not just going to look at the post office <laughs> to see if I got arrested, but <laughs> you can important. reach us <laughs> at the1031investor.com. Yeah. And on there, we've got, uh, I think a 32 YouTube video collection for how to do a lot of these things. We've got calculators, hmm. the opportunity to set appointments, to talk to us, um, you know, I've had some great success and I love to be able to pass it on and help people, you know,
0: build their own life. But doing that. on the same time, you're going to promise, promise us, you're going to come, come back only for syndication part next time. I will do that. I will do that. Absolutely. Uh, that's perfect. Thanks a lot for your time today. And we're really happy again, as I mentioned, to bring you again to the show and have a wonderful day. Thanks Adam.